Well, welcome guys to another Wednesday panel. We're always so glad to hear these comments, see you guys tune in, and I'm always so glad for the most part to be surrounded by these awesome, God-loving gentlemen. Uh, so as we go along this whole panel, make sure that you are keeping the comment section busy. We wanna hear from you. This is about connecting with you guys. So we're gonna be asking some questions. We wanna hear feedback from you, how this is, you know, speaking in your life, what's happened in the past. If you have any prayer requests, make that happen. But without any further ado, I'd love to introduce our all-star panel that we have this amazing Wednesday night. So we have straight from the outback, Jeffrey Barnett joining us again. Today, everyone. <laughs> we have out here, man. <laughs> Jeff Rodriguez down there looking. He's down on my screen looking pretty as always. That's a nice little model wave you have. This is... You like that, huh? <laughs> a lot of parades in my day. And from half tropical paradise, half really black room, we have Mr. Jeremy Kays hanging out with us. Yeah. Thank you guys for, for being here. But we always like to break the ice a little bit to not only lighten the mood, but just people just love hearing us talk. That's pretty much what it is. So we can just flap our gums the whole time. So I have an important question. If you were on a deserted island and you were able to take three things with you, I'm at a resort, so I'm not staying <laughs> at an island. If you're able to take three things with you, <laughs> what would you bring? Let's start with, I think the most resourceful person we have is Jeffrey Barnett. What would you bring? Because I'm really intrigued. Are we talking like, is this like survival you're talking about? You're, trying like... to, you're naked and afraid, but in <laughs> some place. Okay, so it's not like some resort that you're no, at. Where you I have just want to be at a resort. Everything. I'm trying to get rid of the image, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> uh, I would bring a knife because, of course, you need a knife. You do everything with your knife. If you're on an island, you're going to need some sort of uh, fishing, either a net or spear or something or probably you know a fishing pole so i would bring that and and probably uh after that some kind of container you know for holding water i think that'd be really important so those three things so a knife some kind of fishing line fishing gear and a container to hold of water that's good I should say say a sunscreen, but it would run out. <laughs> I'm kind of in that same genre there. I was definitely thinking about survival. So definitely a knife. Good move. I think we all got a knife once that we could uh, use in that one. <laughs> but uh, definitely a knife. I would bring a cooking pot, an actual physical pot. If I'm in a beach, I want to boil water and get the salt out so I could create some sort of water system. And then I'm going to get a fire starter. Those are my three things. Knife pot, steel pot, and a fire starter. All I heard is you're bringing pot. So. I know. I had to make sure it was steel pot. Like, there he goes again, talking about pot. Nice. Uh, I'd probably probably bring, bring – uh, let me say it again. I'll pr I would probably bring a boat uh, or a seaplane maybe. Nice. And then a surfboard, you know. So It's good. I mean, you guys are bringing like knives and little things like pot and uh, fishing net. I'd bring a boat, get a way out, you know? Yeah. Naked and afraid. Yeah. One of those big old cigar boats, you know, or a houseboat. Yeah, I'll bring a houseboat. Nice. 
with a chef. That's good. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm thinking along the same lines. When I was first thinking about it, I was going to bring the practical things like a net and knife and a fire starter, but I've, I've morphed into taking a raft, uh, taking a flare gun and an adult beverage to pass the time as I wait for someone to come rescue me. This is, yeah. So we want to know about wife. you guys. You wouldn't bring your wife or kid? Yeah. Not to vacation, right? <laughs> on a deserted island. This is. <laughs> Isn't quarantine kind of like being on a deserted island? Basically, island, prison cell, whatever you want to. Yeah, it's very similar. <laughs> well, I want to hear what you guys are going to bring because I know you're creative at home. So list three things that you're going to take on this island, either to get rescued or to stay there forever. But all right, but we are going to get started. We are rolling along in our study of Romans. And I, I love this section that we're on because we're getting a chance to get so many things we can apply to our lives. And chapter 12, uh, we had a great talk last week talking about this transformation that needs to happen from the inside out, that we also got to experience these gifts that God has given each and every one of us that we get to tap into. And we actually get to realize those and utilize those more with that transformation process. Uh, things that we get to use to not only further advance the kingdom, but we have these strengths that we get a chance to help lead different flocks or bring other people to Christ. So I hope you had a chance to take some of those spiritual gift tests. If not, they are still on our website and you can plug those out and find what's going on. Uh, but now we're going to talk about some pretty big topics in our faith walk. Number one is love. We're going to discuss that tonight in our study of Romans. And number two, we're actually going to talk about the sides of good and evil. So it's like a, you know, superhero side. You have good and you have bad. What side are you going to be on? So with that, we are going to get rolling with Romans chapter 12. So if you have a Bible nearby, why don't you run as fast as you can, go get that Bible or you can bring it up on your phone, but we're also going to have it on the screens. So we're going to go with Romans chapter 12, verses 9 and 10. And if, Jeremy, you could start us off with that, that would be awesome. All right, Romans chapter 12, verse 9 and 10. It says, don't just pretend to love others, really love them. Hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good, Love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. So uh, here we see Paul begins this big section about love um, and making it genuine. Don't just pretend to love others, really actually love them. And I think that so often in our world today, we can give love at a distance uh, in a sense that, that we, will, we will go a certain length for people or we will do certain things for people, but the genuine, authentic love that we're willing to give and also receive, that takes another step of, of loving. Uh, it's this, this non-fake, um, non, uh, I don't know, it's just, it's just this real type of authentic, real love and i don't i think you know what i'm talking about guys like it's it's this command that jesus gives us not just to to love but to, to really truly love love god and love our neighbor as ourself um, and then show it you know give it receive it and do it yeah that's really good when i 
when we hear about love, and I mean, it's, it's preached upon, it's taught upon so often, and it's something we need to really understand what it means. So, Jeremy, maybe you could do this because you're very eloquent in your speech. Uh, what does love mean to you? How, what, how can we phrase this so other people can really understand what it is that we're trying to show people? Uh, do you have the song queued up or what? Yeah. You ready? That's the question. Uh, uh, you said I'm I'm eloquent, but I, I don't know. I think Jeff put it best in a – oh, you got the song? Yeah. Wait, which way are we going? I don't know which way. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're mirrored. Dyslexic bounce we got to do. <laughs> uh, we actually watched uh, a portion of that movie on a pastoral retreat we had, right? Remember oh, that? Yeah. that was Terrible. Crazy. It was so bad. Yeah. I can't even mention the movie right now. It was so bad. But if you know the movie in the comment section, you can, uh, you can definitely. Uh, <laughs> there's like no plot to that movie, anyways. I think we stopped watching it. it was that like, about 25 minutes in? We couldn't take it anymore. Most of you stopped watching it. <laughs> we always watch these really weird movies on our uh, pastoral retreat. Yeah, there's something about it. So, I don't know why we can never decide what to watch. It's funny. <laughs> I think because you scroll through the, the TV forever, <laughs> so I think you have to take it away from you. But uh, anyway, what does love? What does love mean to me? Uh, I was saying that um, J. Rod coined the phrase one time that that so that in our world today we look at at love is God, but First John tells us that God is love. It's not that love is God. God is love, and uh, there's a big difference between those. Um, love is not God. God is love. And and all of the, like he talked about on Sunday too, every good and perfect gift comes from God, the Father of heavenly lights. It's it's what comes from him. All the goodness, perfection, beauty, love, it comes from God. And so our, every and all experience of love is an experience of God. And so I, I don't know. I, I think that, that what it is is ultimately experiencing something that you can only experience from God. And that is, I mean, how do you put it into words? So many people have tried to write songs and books and studies about what is love. And uh, I don't understand the song that you are playing or the movie Night at the Roxbury. And I don't also have a good grip on love either. How, how do you put it into words? So. Can you sing the song from The Bodyguard then? Is that... Yeah, exactly. That's a good one. I don't know that one. Okay. I think what I was thinking about, I really like what you said, Jeremy, and I wanted to kind of just keep evolving that thought is the things that I didn't know about love, I've learned about through God, and it's really been through marriage and my children. They have really expanded my understanding about love, but it started with having a relationship with God. And then you go, how do you have this real love? And God kind of talks about it. But when you get into a marriage and then when you have a child, you, you start to see a love that the father would have for us and his people. And it's not always, uh, you guys all have a relationship. It's not always easy. It's not always, uh, we were talking about it in a staff meeting about, it's not always happy, but it's joyful when you know that there's someone with you and they have this unconditional love. And it's even more joyful when you realize that God is love and his love is not pretend, it's not fake. And my job is to take that pretend, uh, that non-pretentious, but that beautiful, perfect love and try and live it out to my wife and to my kids and to you guys and to anybody that will receive it. 
really good. Um, I'd like to take it a step further. So we're, we understand this love that's being talked about. And in verse 10, it says something I like to, to recap on. Take delight in honoring each other. So this honor is a, a, a big word that we revisit a lot. So I'd like to ask Jeff first, how have you felt this delight before, this delight in honoring someone? Um, how have you felt this delight in your own heart, in your own life? You know, I was thinking about like, uh, I don't know, like two or three days ago, I was thinking about um, the joy that I had uh, with the K's as they were going through some time with Zeke. And I don't know why I just got so wrecked by what they were going through. But when Zeke came home and to see that and the delight of seeing, we were all talking about it at the dinner table the other night where they came home and the crib was set up and people cleaned their homes and they were just kind of, they kind of disappeared from the church, so to speak. Jeremy was still kind of in and out doing it, but it, nobody was trying to get anything back for them. There was just this constant flood of love. And from my heart to do, I, I prayed probably more than I'd had for Jeremy and Tara in a long time and for their kid. And so it was really a delightful moment. And when I get to see Zeke and the, the terror and the beauty that he brings, I just laugh going, man, that's a, that's an answered prayer and a blessing. So for me, it, that, that love is just one of those ones. I just, I have my heart kind of with that. And similar with you, Dustin, too, with, with soy sauce, I, I the same kind of feelings. What about you, Jeffrey? Um, have you felt this delight in, in honoring other people? Before? Yeah, I've been wrestling with that, you know, like I've been kind of doing this thing where like we, there's a lot of things we talk about like honoring or loving, but what does that really mean? And for me, honoring means you are recognizing who God created that person to be without stumbling over what they're not, you know, because everybody's like gifted and created in, in an amazing way. Like, but also, too, like there's strengths of our personalities, but there's also weaknesses. But a lot of times we just focus on the lack or the, or the weaknesses. And so, you know, for me, um, I think I think I feel this the most when when someone has like hurt me or when someone has um, done something and I'm and we're called to like pray and forgive. Right. And even, you know, I think, you know, when you've forgiven someone, when you can actually bless them and speak blessing over them. And so I think I felt that I've felt that before where it's just like, you know, how like God, he shows kindness to those who are good and those who are evil. But like just times in my life where I felt hurt or betrayed and being able to pray and forgive them and to still like bless them because um, they're not perfect, you know, and that God still loves them and he's, and they're still his kids, you know, so that, I know that sounds kind of, that's kind of a weird answer, but I, it's like, you feel the, I've, you kind of feel the father's delight when, when we, when we do that, it's actually like a blessing oh, to good. you. That's really good. And I want to hear about this in the comment section too. Like what does, what does love mean to you or what are some different ways that you've had a chance to feel this uh, delight in honoring other people? Make sure you're, you're posting below. Um, I'd like to, to throw one more question back at Jeremy. Uh, is it easy for you to show this love that we're talking about, not pretending to love others, but to really love them? Is that easy or is that something you had to learn over time? I think that's a great question. I think that um, 
some people are easy to love and other people are, are a little bit more challenging to love. It's extra grace required. Um, I feel like sometimes we can be needy in our love and we need certain things in our love or we, we feel it's, it's, it's hard sometimes to love people. Um, and I think that has to do with what Jeffrey was talking about. Sometimes we, we see the flaws in people and those things kind of overshadow uh, how we may feel or it puts a distance between us and them. But the, the love that, that we are supposed to show, the easiest part for me to understand is, man, like I'm so unlovable, but Jesus still loves me. And I better be certain in my love for others because I've been loved tremendously, if that makes sense. Like I think so often our, our definition of love it swirls around these ideas of bouquets of flowers and chocolates and uh, doing nice things for other people. But I think that what true love is when the rubber meets the road is that it's forgiveness, it's acceptance, it's um, reconciliation, it's redemption, all of those things that are really a lot harder to do. Having real honest conversations like that's, that's the difficult part about love that it is not so easy and not so fun to talk about. Good. But I'm so good at it. I'm so good at it. So like it's good. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. <laughs> um, I think that's great. I was. We'll, we'll stop with that one. That was a great answer. Um, but I, I just googled I, it. So yeah, that was good. Thank you, Doctor Phil. Uh, now we're gonna ask Tara. We're gonna ask Tara how good it, how good we really are. Really are. We'll get her on next week. So. Uh, yeah, I think next week. So if we we can think about that. Just uh, be simple, be real, be authentic. I think that's one of the biggest parts I took from reading this is the authenticity that we need to really show this honest to goodness love, and that means caring about someone. I think that's when you put that foot forward when you truly start to care about other people, whether you like the person or not. You have to try to put that care in to get to know them and like them a little bit more. And then that way you're kind of honoring what God has always brought forward. So we are going to move on to our next bit of scripture. And it comes to us from Romans chapter 12, and it'll be verses 11 and 13. And it says, never be lazy. Work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Now, number one, this is a, a perfect scripture for what we're going through right now of ways to be there for other people. Uh, we have confident hope in what everyone's feeling right now, whether you're feeling alone or you're feeling trapped. Uh, have confident hope in who God is. And we have this chance to not only pray for ourselves, but pray for other people outside these walls. And then when things are lifted, we get to practice that hospitality. So there's a challenge in that as well. But it starts off with never be lazy. This is a no naps section because oh. yeah, I won't say what naps are for, but <laughs> for winners. <laughs> Uh, but don't be lazy with God and don't be lazy with what you ought to be doing for the Lord. And that could sound harsh to a lot of people, uh, but we have the chance to 
make a big splash or make these changes in the world. So we can't get lazy kind of sitting in our hands. We learned last week about these gifts we've been blessed with, and now we get this chance to go out there and actually use it. So don't be lazy. Um, it's a powerful reminder to not slow down in our service to the Lord. Uh, some of us uh, have been believers for many years and we start off on fire and then we kind of start to run on empty fumes and, and start to putter out. And the next thing you know, you're not serving the Lord anymore and you're sitting on those gifts that he's given with you. So do not grow weary doing good. Continue to keep that fire burning, which means uh, you need time with God. You need to recharge. You need to look to him. You need to hear from him to keep that passion going. Uh, one of the ways you can keep that communication lines open with him is to pray. So it says here, be patient in trouble and to keep on praying. But that I, I've taken this prayer at a whole new level um, because we're praying for so many things. We're praying to keep the fire lit. We're praying for new possibilities of who to talk to, how to serve him better, um, what plans he has. So we get a chance to talk to him quite often. Um, so always be constant in prayer and just praying through all these different things going on in life. And we've been talking, I think this is a subject that God wants to bring forward. Uh, Jeff's been talking about it the last two weeks on Sunday. It's talking about this praying uh, and be patient in trouble. And I think that's something we need to keep revisiting that uh, he talks about this confident hope Paul does as he's writing this. And he talks about the confident hope in God and his promises. And we get this mini piece of being patient in the troubles that we're going to face. And I think we take it the wrong way in the text when some people just glance by it. We're not saying we passively put up with things. When we hear the word patience, we typically think about being passive. Uh, Paul's not saying sit back and take a chill pill and just let things happen as we suffer through. Paul's teaching us that Christians require an act of steadfast endurance, that when these things are going on, we're, we're praying because we know God is listening. We're praying because we know God is good, and he's going to hear us through these situations. So we are serving God even in the midst of suffering and tribulation and all these trials. So be constant in prayer to try to figure out what good is going to come from what's going on, or be praying that something is going to resolve from this. Um, and then just randomly at the end, it throws in always be eager to practice hospitality. So be ready to, to serve people. We're back to that point about serving enthusiastically. Um, and I believe that he says that to show hospitality so we don't become self-absorbed. So we're not just serving the Lord for our own benefit and our own gains. We're serving it to show the love to other people. So we must share that, that we care for other people in the best of camp way that we can do that is with our time, our money, our friendship, encouragement. So if other Christians are in need, we must help them. That's why it's perfect to go through this right now. So I want to get more into this prayer because we got some pretty prayerful dudes on here. So how is your prayer life and has it changed right now with what's been going on in the world? Uh, let's start with you, J-Rod. My prayer life's terrible. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, actually, it's it's amped up uh, a, a ton being on the stay-at-home order because I think uh, we were talking to Barnett a couple of weeks ago on staff meeting, and he's like, man, there's moments where you don't know what to do, and all you can do is pray. So it's definitely been amped up, uh, so I've really liked it. I've actually enjoyed a lot of it on my phone. I've got uh, 
get on your knees and pray about eight o'clock and then seek Jesus at like three o'clock and then worship him at 11. So I'm just trying to put it in my everyday routine to make it a part of my life. And a lot of times I can't do it right then and there, but it kind of gets me in that mindset. But it's definitely changed. I remember when it changed, I was a youth pastor at Crossroads and I I remember teaching uh, uh, about prayer and going through it and, and, and taking the the message of the Lord's Prayer, making it into a personal prayer. We all did these junior high kids did this prayer and they didn't know what to do. And so I'm like, hey, Jesus, bro, what's going on? And changed it into a conversation. It was really, uh, really transformative for my prayer life because mine's not about all these fluffy, beautiful, impactful theological words. It's really just having uh, everyday conversation with him and trying to engage with him. And so it's it was impactful to go through with that because it really shaped and changed my prayer life. And uh, it, it's still today, it's the way I, I, I pray constantly about things in my family and my relationship with him. So you put it like a reminder in your phone. I, like I know I've seen you do that before. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, every day. That's smart. My wife has all these reminders in her phone, like to take her blood pressure and all this stuff. Yeah. Like the thing is, she's like never around when the phone is going off and <laughs> off and off. And I'm like, should I snooze it? Should I turn it off? I don't know. So that's okay. good. I like it. Yeah. Um, get her the iWatch for her birthday. Huh? <laughs> iWatch? What's that? Yeah. Is that like the iPhone, but for a watch? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What about you, Jeffrey? I know you, you're a big routine guy and you like to mix it up from time to time. So can you explain your prayer routine right now? Uh, how has it changed over time? Yeah, I mean, right now, like what Jeff was saying, it's like my lifeline now. Like, I think it's the only way to remain sane and remain hopeful and to remain uh, useful for the kingdom, right? Because if we're if we're in despair and if we're hopeless, like how we can't, we can't um, effectively affect people around us and give them hope and have that testimony, right. Of why we, we do have hope Um, for me, even though it's my lifeline now, it's not, hasn't always been like, I I kind of really had a low opinion of prayer. And I think it's partly because of the church I used to be a part of. Like, I don't think that they emphasized the prayer life and talked about it that much is it was just something that was almost a formality almost something that we do i mean honestly i thought it was just something we do uh before food we just give a little prayer right or to like pray and kind of just thank god after we went on a big mission trip or something you know it was kind of this token thing um and it really didn't didn't really um i didn't really incorporate into my life until i read a book called a praying life by paul miller and he talked about how you know, in life, we write down important things. Like if you have a calendar, we write it down. And he's like, well, how come we don't do that with prayer? And he kind of got me doing these things with the, on a three by five card, you know, like, like taking a little card and, wow. and writing down our, our prayers on that uh, and specific things, right? You have a card for friends, different things, a card for missionaries. And I started doing that and I started seeing a lot of fruit because I, I started praying uh, consistently, right? Praying kind of the same prayers, praying over people. And I started, I think within a year, like I think 90% of them were answered and I've never seen any kind of result of that. And I think mostly it's because we forget what we prayed for. And then when it happens, we like forgot we prayed for it. And so I, 
it's kind of evolved now, you know, where I have like a kind of this binder and I have kind of like different, I can't even show you, but there's like different prayers in there, you know, from like prayers of protection. I pray a prayer of protection I got from Mike Flynn, a pastor every day. I pray for, uh, I have like declarations, things like that. But one thing I've, I've been doing recently, um, because I do like to change it up. It's kind of like when you work out, you do the same, you work the same muscles, but you got to do different exercises, right? If you do the same thing over and over, it becomes stagnant, you become stale, and, and it no longer becomes engaging. And so I, I recommend changing things up. And one thing that I've been doing, and I read this, that this kind of came from the Chinese underground church, but there was a guy who had a factory and he wanted to like reach his factory workers but in a way that wasn't like too, in a way that wasn't like too, you know, breaking the law. Cause over there sharing your faith, is like, you go to jail, it's illegal. And so he decided that he was going to create like this chair and it was called like the Jesus throne or the Jesus chair. And he just told his workers, Hey, you know, if you have problems or issues, just go over there by the Jesus chair and begin telling, telling him about your problems. And so it was like this miraculous thing, like workers started doing that and they started getting all this like feedback of like, wow, like I went to the Jesus, Jesus chair and I talked to, to, to him and, and like these prayers started getting answered. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. And so sometimes like what I do is I just literally have an extra chair and I just invite God like, Hey, come down and sit with me and let's talk. Let's have a chat, like two friends. And that helps me to get like, Hey, I'm talking to a real person. I'm not just talking to, you know, some being millions of miles away so i've been doing that that's something i've been doing in my life and so that's good and helpful yeah this is a a chance to to really pour into god right now i i always love uh jeffrey's answers on prayer because man changes it up all the time he knows what works he has the ear of god so (laughs) um if you have a chance I, i love this idea about being patient in trouble and keep on praying and j-rod was talking about a little bit we were praying for this guy that's on the screen uh as he was being patient in trouble as i uh remember hanging out with jeremy as he's going through the process with zeke i'd never seen someone as cool and calm and collected and as faithful in the hope that god is going to prevail in that situation so there's a testimony to that man jeremy Kays, uh that Prayer does work, but also how to be patient and just know that God is God and he's going to make something happen from it. We just have to trust in him. So thanks for being faithful. All you guys have learned a lot from you through those situations. Um, But I want to hear about the people too. There's people tuning in that have a prayer life. Let me know how you are praying, uh, different things that have worked for you. If you have your own little war room that you go to and pray or how you've been patient in times of prayer and what you've been waiting for. So make sure you're posting alongside that. Um, but to, to recap that, just be patient in prayer, whatever's going on in your life. And then at the whole thing, uh, get ready for more hospitality. So we're showing this love. We're praying to someone who loves us. And now we get to show that love to other people. So open up your homes once all these things are lifted. But to go on with Romans, another great part is in verses 14 and 16 in Romans 12. So Jeff, would you mind reading that for us? Yeah, I was thinking about last week and it was saying, 
we're instruments of worship. And then he's talking about don't really pretend love. And now he's going to get into some interesting ways to love people. It says, Romans 12, 14, bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. That's awkward. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think that you know it all. So I love hanging out and being in the ordinary company of you guys. So it's so good to be a part of your guys' life. <laughs> but as I was thinking about love and not really pretending to love, this really kind of gets into your face. This is how Paul gets into your face. He says, really, you could say it's easy to love mom and dad and the kids and the neighbor and maybe your best friend, but is it easy to love those that persecute you, those that are against you? It says, bless those that persecute you. That's the counter culturalism of Christianity. It's the opposite of what we should do and what our heart says. God says, don't curse them. But like Dustin was saying, pray for them. Prayer for your enemy or those that are persecuting you really does something in your heart. And it's also like uh, Jeff Barnett was saying, it invests in that other person. So when we're investing in someone that's against us, we're actually asking the supernatural power of God to work but it also changes me in the way that I see them. And over time, we believe that God's going to transform and change those people. The other part I love, this is really ministry 201 or 301, is to learn to be happy when others are happy. If you've ever been to a wedding or invited to a birthday party from someone at church, and you're just to join in with them, but also weep with those that have wept. I mean, one of my awkward jobs as a pastor is to be a, one of the first phone calls when someone dies. And you go to a house and all you can do is mask their intensity, whatever it is. You weep with them, you cry for them, you try and pull them out of this utter despair and pray and prop them up. But a lot of times all you can do is just weep with them and be a part of their life and sit there sometimes for hours and hours. And really, it's part of the joy of being a pastor, but it's not easy. And so to match those. And the last one is living in harmony. I mean, that's, that's what real love does is it, it looks and says, I want to be in harmony with these guys and their families and the other staff members, but I also want to be in harmony with those that are against me. And that's a really important place uh, to be. Don't be too proud to be a part of ordinary company. I, I get this, oh, Pastor Jeff's here. And I'm like, it's just Jeff. Uh, I, I don't have to be anything different than you. I'm just an ordinary person that my job happens to be, uh, you know, teaching the Bible and living in Christ and helping people go through tough and beautiful times in life. That's really the only thing a pastor is. It's not like I've got a doctorate degree and I know how to do surgery or anything. I'm just a normal or ordinary person. And uh, I, I love this last part. I know that I don't know it all. And this panel, it shows often that I know less and less. And these guys are brilliant. So uh, I really love this text. I really love this authenticity that, that Paul is trying to get us in. For me to be authentic, I can't persecute. I've got to be happy. I got to weep with others. But really, I've just got to be not too proud to live my life with anybody and everybody. And in that, God shows himself. So That's really good. Thank you for sharing. Um, but this is a text that does get talked about all the time. So let's be honest. Have this panel, have you guys had a tough time with this text? Have you always shown 
love to those who are stabbing you in the back or just not being a nice person? Have you always, has this come easy to you, our pastoral staff? I think for me, no, I'm not, I'm kind of more of a counterpuncher, reactionary type. So like I, you know, when some, someone does some harm to me, it's like you want to match that, you know, and it's taken me many years to kind of grow out of that, right? And to realize that um, anger is not the best response, that in fact that we, um, you know, the bad, our best selves don't come out when we're, we're angry and it's better to, um, it's better to wait and kind of let, and, but, you know, for me, it's better to cool down and not, if like, if there's some conflict or, or some problem with a person, like not to, to respond in my anger, but to like go on a walk or leave the house or to do something. And for me, that's like the best way that I can kind of remain, remain loving. You know, I know that sounds weird, but it's like, that's like for me when, when I'm having a tough time and wanting to respond, that's just the way that I, I kind of do that. It'd be kind of interesting to hear from, uh, from people, you know, maybe how you respond when, when people are not nice to you or when people are cursing you, like what are some ways or, or things that what you guys do? Cause so I'm always, you know, wanting to learn and how to, how to deal with that. It isn't easy, right? Dealing with our flesh. It's good. What do you guys think? I think that it's uh, against our natural instinct to bless those who curse us. Um, I think that it's the opposite of what we, everything inside of us tells us to do. Um, someone got, got me this knife one time, <laughs> found it right there. I'm nice. like, what am I supposed to do with this? It's like this, I don't even know how you, like, I, I can't, like, you gotta what's that? Take it on that deserted island. I, but, like, all you can do is stab, and I'm like. That's like a pig sticker, man. That's all I, I for sticking a pig. Put it on your rifle. I don't know. <laughs> I don't even have a, I don't have a rifle, but yeah, it's like a, like a bayonet just for stabbing people. But that's like our, our, you know, number one instinct that we want to do. I don't even think this is legal by the way. Uh, but we just want to like stab somebody or, or, or make them feel what they've made us feel. And yet Jesus does something quite the opposite. So different uh, in the way that he loves us and he expects us to do the same. Uh, and that's a little bit challenging, I think, especially when you experience hurt um, or brokenness at the expense of someone else. Uh, so is it easy? No. But is it right? Yeah. Uh, so I think it's always a struggle. I can think of countless times, honestly, I think a, a thousand times where on my phone, I'm so upset with someone and I write a text or I'm writing a post or something to respond because I'm angry and I write it out and then I delete it all. Cause I'm like, that's not the right thing to say. My first response is like Jeremy said, is to take the dagger and just go in and get carnage and in revenge and, and uh, get what I feel is necessary. But uh, over what I've learned over time is to, um, to slow to roll, kind of what we did this weekend, slow to speak, slow to anger, quick to listen and give it some time. And here's my advice that uh, I've learned is try and engage somebody that you're angry with 24, 48 hours at the earliest. 
and maybe 72 hours because I promise you what you will say in the heat of the argument versus what you will say in 72 hours is completely different. Even if you still feel offended or hurt, you will say it in a different way and you'll really get to the crux of the argument. So really good. I think we're going to talk a little bit more as Romans goes on about what that kind of looks like. Cause I know that some people have a hard time. It's like, well, this person, you know, abused me or this person did this. Are you saying Jesus that I have to be like friends with them again, or I have to be in the same room or that, you know, I have to be back in an intimate relationship with them again. So I think like, if you've got questions about that, it's coming. So, yeah. Good. All right. So, Yeah. Someone's stabbing you with Jeremy's knife. Don't go. Number one, don't rob Jeremy K's household. <laughs> this is all I have. So. <laughs> it's pretty intense. Um, but we get a chance to, you know, love people even when they're being unlovable and how to bring that into our own homes. Um, do you, I, I would love to ask J-Rod. So you have a, a, a balancing act because you have young girls <laughs> and you have a wife. And it's telling us, uh, and you deal with a congregation, you're a shepherd of a flock. So how do you bring uh, this practice of living in harmony when there's a lot of variance going on in your own life, in your very own home? Uh, I got a girl dog too, don't forget. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) It's all against me. Honestly, there's really only one thing that I've done to be able to bring harmony in my life and try and reconcile all the things. I, I admit I'm wrong a lot. Even when I might be 5% or 1% wrong, I try and admit that wrong. Uh, most of the time, it's not 5% or 1%. Most of it's 99% or 95%. But the only way that I can show uh, peace and harmony and, and trying to make everything come together is I go back and I'm like, I'm sorry for this. Please forgive me for that. I hope I didn't offend you by saying this. This, this might have been hurtful. I wish I wouldn't have said And when I get into that posture, I'm generally pretending, not pretending to love them, but I'm loving them and accepting their person or being. And I'm also showing that humility that it's, it's not about me for me to live in harmony. It's about everybody having their voice and their place in life. So, you know, man, I am, if I'm number four or five on the, on the list in my house, I am winning. I'm winning. uh, A lot of times I have to look up to these people in my life and, you know, a 15 year old, a 19 year old, a 20 year old and trust that it's God's got a plan. So thanks for asking. It's not easy, but life is not easy. And living in harmony is work. It's, it's compromising and adjusting and, and not trying to be right. We say this thing at my house all the time. Do you want to be right? Or do you want to be loved? And honestly, I just want to be loved. I'd rather be wrong every time and be loved. So that's really good. I love what you said right there. It's work. So everyone remember that. It takes work to make live in harmony. So that's awesome. I want to be rightly loved. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I knew there was something with that look on. Loved right. How about that? Wow. I'm texting. I have Love, did you say love by Mr. Right? Hey, this is the thing right here. Seek his face. Comes up and says it. So part of that prayer life. Sorry. All right. So we're going to close out our scripture with uh, Jeffrey. If you can read for us Romans chapter 12, verses 17 through 21, and then we will get everyone out of here pretty soon. All right. Let's do this. All right. Hopefully you guys can see it. It says, never pay back evil with more evil. 
Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. I like this part. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Uh, your friends never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. That's good. That's such a powerful, powerful um, a couple of verses right there. We could easily just pass over it. But I just like that, um, especially the last one of, of not letting evil conquer us, right? Like we're, we're, we're put here on this planet for a reason, right? We're supposed to be ambassadors of the kingdom. We're supposed to be the light. We're supposed to conquer evil by doing good. And I know at times it's like, it, it seems like, you know, like in verse 18, it says, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. That at times that seems impossible, right? With our, maybe our political climate, with all the different disagreements, all the different um, things going on. It seems like that is such an impossible thing. But I really think that the key to doing that is, is uh, doing an, uh, living an honorable life, right? Honoring people, like I was saying, like uh, honoring who God created them to be without getting caught up in, in what they're not, right? Getting caught up in their, maybe their flaws or the things like that. And also not to pay back evil for evil. That's going to be a very, very, like we just, we just spoke about, and we're going to probably talk about that uh, some more of just like, what does that actually look like? Like, what is God saying there? Jeremy kind of brought up a, a good point of like, well, does that mean that we have to be friends with maybe someone that has hurt us or someone that has abused us or done something? No, it's not, it's not saying that. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of interested in what you guys would say or what, what you would say on, on that. Like, what does that actually kind of mean? You want to expand on that, Jeremy? That... Yeah, I mean, the, the never paying back evil for evil um, and in relationship. Let's just say um, I had a high schooler uh, when I was doing high school ministry, and she was in an abusive relationship. I think it was with her dad or something, if I if I can remember. And then she felt like well, am I supposed to be back in a relationship with him because he hurt me in this way, X, Y, and Z, you know, all these different ways. And it's like, no, like forgiveness means forgiving them for the wrong that they have done and seeking justice for that. But it's not about uh, being in an intimate relationship with them because that's not what God expects you to do. Like, you know, uh, you're in this place right now um, where maybe you're being torn apart by unforgiveness, but when you take steps toward forgiveness and and being right with them uh, in relationship with God, like it, it changes everything. I don't, I don't know if that answered your question, but I think it just expanded upon it even more. Um, yeah, maybe people can, maybe they have some questions or they would like to share uh, something like that, but I think that what people don't realize is that, you know, God says that he will take revenge, that he will pay them back. Like he's still, I mean, righteousness and justice are foundations of his throne, right? He may be a God that is very patient, very loving. He wants to show love and, and grace to, to people, but he by, all, by no means is he going to let the, the guilty 
walk free, right? Like he's going to punish, he's going to bring justice. And, but he's going to do it in a way that you and I uh, couldn't. Because I think, you know, a lot of times when we're offended, when we're hurt, we want to repay them what, what they did to us. And we want to do it in this like, and what the, the worst part about it is that we're doing it out of evil, right? We're doing it out of like e evil motives. But when God does it, he does it with both parties in mind. Just how a judge would deal with the case, right? He's trying to take in consideration both parties, right? Not just being one-sided, hopefully not. Hopefully unless it's a corrupt judge that's taking a bribe and who's just one-sided. Like God wants to, he sees the whole picture and he's going to deal with it in his timing. Like, you know, we never know. We never know if that person is going to repent. We never know um, how, like, God is going to use them. It's kind of like, I hate bringing it up, but it's like Gollum in Lord of the Rings, how Frodo was, like, tempted. Like, man, we should just, uh, um, I think I don't know, either Frodo or um, Sam just wanted to take the, the creature's life. Like, why don't we just kill him? But then Gandalf was like, well, you know, some, we don't know what's going to happen with them in the end. Like, we don't know, like, what part he has to play in all of this. Like, and you know, maybe that people let's, don't know Lord of the Rings. Let's talk but, about that some more. Can we uh, yeah. spend the next couple of hours talking about that, dissecting the? I was thinking about, <clears throat> excuse me, what Barnett was saying, and uh, what happens is when I repay evil for evil, I'm taking the role of God, and I'm now in His role, and I'm taking the power of of His plan and His justice and His mercy right and into my hands, and I'm now playing God. I'm playing judge. I'm playing mercenary, I'm playing wrath of Jeff or wrath of God, and, and I'm getting in the middle of how he's going to deal with it. Trust me, what I've had to learn in my time, because I could tell you tons of stories uh, uh, where I've, I've had to repay kindness with evil, but the point is, is to stay out of God's way and believe somehow, some way that God wants to fix it and deal with it in, in the way that makes sense for him. And when I do that, I'm trusting in his plan and his his will and the goodness of it. So really an important place to be in our life right now, trying to figure that out. I think it's always interesting what happens when you meet, um, whether it's evil or anger or whatever, with a kind word, mm -hmm. it changes and shifts the conversation. I remember there was tension between two, two men before, um, two guys at the church, and, and they were just like silverback gorillas about to go at it. And uh, one of them had just gotten back from a trip visiting his son or something like that. And he was all charged up and wanted to talk to me and, oh, this guy is doing this and that. And so first thing I did was I tried to diffuse the, the conversation simply by asking, hey, man, how was your trip? How is your son? How is your grandson? And it totally shifted everything about the entire conversation and the anger subsided, it diffused. And, and so I think just kindness and, and uh, gentleness can totally turn away that, uh, that sense of wrath or frustration or anger or evil. Uh, I think that's just really, really key. That's good. It's no accident that as Paul's writing this, he, he goes down a list of starting with love. So we get this idea of what it is we're supposed to be showing people. And then ending this part, this section saying, get away from evil. If you're going to love people, really love them. Let the evil go away. He's going to deal with it at the end. So we need to, to take in these ideas of what love is. We need to stop trying to 
spread more evil in life. So we can be the, the broken chain of kind of repairing things is we can stop that chain of events of more pain, more evil going in the world. We can end it with love and showing that forward. We can open up our hearts. We can open up our homes. We can invite and make new friendships. We can begin to, to band together and show what God has always intended for us. It's that, that huge heart that he's putting inside each and every one of us. So we need to go show that love around this world. We need to show hospitality to each other. We need to learn how to not like turn the other cheek, but also love our enemies at the same time saying, you know, God loves you, even though you're a jerk to me, but we will find ways to better do that. And you, you grow into that feelings too. As, as I've experienced learning from these gentlemen, uh, prayer changes over time, uh, our different maturity levels and believers that change in time. So it's a growing relationship that we will figure out. We will grow in ways to love other people. We will grow in ways to understand why different things are happening. And we will grow in ways to how we can bless others in different circumstances, no matter what we are going through or what they are going through. So uh, I'd like to close out this time with a, a final thought from these cool dudes. So uh, how about... Jeffrey, you kick us off with your final thought. Yeah, you know, I was going to share something um, earlier, and I felt like the Lord put on my heart. But, uh, you know, I back in the day, I used to only pray when there was a crisis. And I, I read and I realized is that, you know, if our faith depends on crisis, then don't be surprised if your life is filled with crisis. Right? I don't know if you guys understand that, but it's like, it's good. you know, like, we have to learn how not only to grow close to God in crisis, but to grow close to him when things are good. Like maybe right now your life is good and, and you're really blessed and you're enjoying just time with your family. Like I would uh, make sure that you're, you're walking with God and you're still doing that, you know, cause I kind of found, yeah, like if it's what crisis, what drives our faith then yeah, like I wouldn't be surprised if that crisis is always hitting your life a lot. That's good. I was thinking about something to close with, too, um, and I just wanted to share something that I use. When I'm in a place of struggling with someone, I pray for them, and I pray that God will bless them. And I always think of the image of Aaron being blessed and having the oil poured over him as he's getting anointed to be the priest, the, the leading priest. There's this blessing that comes upon him, and they anoint him, and it's just like the oil drips all over his face and his head and his beard and all over his beautiful clothing. And that's what we're supposed to do. That's what the text Paul is writing about is telling us to do is I need to anoint those that I'm against because in that I start to see them in a different way. I love what uh, Barnett was saying is I start to invest and see prayer, uh, their, their lives change because I'm praying for them. And I want to put this thought in your head. If you have an enemy, who's praying for him if you're not? Think about that for a second. If you have an enemy, maybe God's put that on your heart so that you're the one praying for them and their spiritual play. So for me, I love to bless people and pray for them, especially those that I'm struggling with, because it really gets me into a, a right relationship with God. And I feel like I'm investing in their spiritual walk. That's my final thought. Uh, for me, I think that it all starts with that first verse of um, that we studied tonight, uh, Romans twelve verse nine. Don't just to don't just pretend to love others, really love them. And uh, 
I take it back to to Jesus and his sacrifice for us and realizing that if I know grace, then I show grace. If I know forgiveness, then I I show forgiveness. If I don't show grace and I don't show forgiveness, then maybe I don't know what it means to receive grace and forgiveness. And uh, that's what that's what kind of dictates my life. That's that's what shows me what's most important, Uh, knowing grace and showing grace, knowing forgiveness and showing forgiveness. That's good. Yeah, my final thought and takeaway is this action that we need to do. So we need to, to love by doing. So we love by serving God. We love by loving others. And we love by showing it to our family. So get out there and really act upon it. Keep that fire burning within, within you. So you're really excited to not only serve the Lord, but to just be a part of what's happening right now. Because there's so many good things that are going to happen uh, they're currently happening and are soon to come will happen. So just stay positive and start loving people. Start planning your hospitality, your unquarantined party. So you can have a party with all your buddies when this is all done. But thank you guys for being a part of this. Uh, I'm talking about you at home. Keep commenting. Thank you, this panel for always being here and, uh, being a part of my life. So we thank you guys have a great rest of your Wednesday. Take care.